Happy Sabbath, everyone. <clears throat> I want to thank you, Sister Faith, and for all those who, like, for all those who have uh, led us through our worship worship service thus far. Uh, today, it is, and it's always a special time for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Lord's Supper is premium time. I don't want to say I, I see a few people here. I just want to thank the Lord for having them being here today. Keith and Brenda, Sister Keith. Brother, Brother Keith, I should say. <laughs> Sister Brenda, good to see you. All right. Always good to see you. And uh, uh, we have been blessed here at Carlin. The Lord has truly been good to us. I know there are times <clears throat> we go through challenging times in our lives. But the challenging time should not affect our relationship with our Savior. It should not pull us away from him. In fact, it should push us closely or closer to Jesus. Today, <clears throat> I would like for you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew Chapter 20, 26. Matthew chapter what? 26. I'm going to read a few verse. A uh, few verses from 26. Number 17. And eighteen, and we'll be looking all. We'll be looking at the text all the way through to thirty. But let's begin with Matthew twenty-six and verse seventeen. Now, on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go ye into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Let's pray. Our Father, words cannot truly express how much we love and appreciate you. The mere fact that we're here on this, this Sabbath, here in your temple, it is a great testimony to that fact. 
You are our great God. You are the sustainer of our lives. We find our resource in you. You are the Almighty. Today we come in your name, Father, to, to together as a community to worship you, to learn from you, and also on this day to commune with you. I pray that you would, in a special way, be especially close, Father, to each person who is searching, who is seeking, who is making, who is doing all that they can so that they can build a connection with the God of heaven. I pray that as we all uh, fellowship and, uh, and sup together, that your presence will be with us. But above that, that we will all feel a sense of your love for humanity. Father, I give you all that I am. I commit all my faculties in your care, and I ask simply that you will speak through me and speak to me. May as we hear your words today, may they become words of life. Words, Father, that is, that is lived out, that is acted upon, so that you will receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember. Remember, there's a group that's called the Sidewalk Prophets, musical group. They sing a song called, Come to the Table. Come to the Table. And I just love the way they began the song. And so I want to share a few words with you. The song says, we all start on the outside, the outside looking in. This is where grace begins. We were hungry, we were thirsty, with nothing left to give, or the shape that we were in. But just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door for us. He said, come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Hallelujah. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down. And be set free. Come to the table. You know, this was what it was actually like with the disciples. You had men who 
were full of themselves. Jesus called them to the table. And when he called them, he called them to spend quality time with them. He called them to give his life to them. He called them so that he can commune with them. And that's exactly what Jesus did. In fact, the text states very clearly that when they came to that room, which we're going to read about, Jesus reclined with them. I mean, there's no reclining going on today. Much of what we do for communion, it, it, it's very formal, isn't it? But in that upper room, Jesus was chilling. He was actually relaxing and spending an intimate time with his disciples. The text states that now on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where do you want to prepare for the prepare to eat the Passover? In fact, the Passover included a preparation time. Are you with me? They prepared for it. In fact, there's many things they had to do. No wonder why they came to him before the Passover, asking him, Master, when should we prepare for this time? They had to bring the Passover lamb. They have to choose the lamb, bring it to the temple. After the lamb was killed, they had to bring the lamb back to where they were, and they would cook the lamb. And they would feast over it. That's why it's called the Passover feast. But when you think about the word Passover, what comes to mind? Egypt. The Exodus comes to mind. Do you remember? In fact, this was a, a service remembering what God did for them back in Egypt. How he told them to get a lamb and kill it and sprinkle the blood upon the doorpost and upon the lentil. You remember that? And that the, when the death, so that when the death angel comes and sees the blood, the death angel will simply what? Pass over that home and that firstborn within that home would be spared. And so on the 14th of Nisan, they will keep this, this feast every year to remember what God did. But now, Jesus was traveling from, Jer from Jericho. He's now in Jerusalem. And this is his last Passover. There is no more to come. In other words, he is now... The Passover lamb. Come on, y'all. They weren't focusing on this. They were focusing on Jesus to be the king. But Jesus now is saying to them, this is it. 
verse 18, uh, and he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, uh, the, the teacher says, my time is what? My time is at hand. This is it. I am the true Passover lamb. In fact, He had made preparation with this person. We don't know how. We don't know if he had met with this person before. We don't know how if there's some supernatural connection going on between him and this man. All right? But he made it very easy for them because in Luke he told them that this man will be carrying a pitcher of water. All right? And anytime you see a man carrying water, man, you're going to (laughs) know. you're going to know that this is something special. Because back then, the ladies were the ones who carried the water. Are you with me? So you see a man carrying the water, it's going to strike your attention real quickly. That's the man. So some amount of arrangements were made, and sure enough, the place was set. It was set. Jesus had made preparation for this Passover. Hmm. The Bible says, so the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, by the way, this was now sunset on Thursday. Are you with me? So you could say this was Friday. If you're going by the Jewish time. Are you with me? Because remember, Jesus was was slaughtered on on Passover. So it was that Friday. But it's Thursday night. Uh, Can you work with me a little bit? (laughs) Because in the Jewish system, the day began at sunset. Remember back in Genesis, it was what? The evening and the what? Morning was the first day. The evening and the morning was the second, and so on and so forth, okay? So now we are at Thursday evening. When, and when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. He knew who that person was. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? Is it I? And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Wow. Hmm. Who is Jesus speaking of here? We know he's speaking of Judas, right? Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? Is it I? Can you imagine that? And Jesus was blunt. 
Jesus was upfront. He, 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 he wanted Judas to know, hurry up and do what you want to do. Let's get this thing over with. I know what's in your heart. Can you imagine this experience with Judas? He was at the table. Right? He received the Lord compassion when Jesus spent time to wash his feet. Nothing what Jesus did that day could somehow arrest his heart. Somehow grasp his, 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 his attention. To say, you still have grace right now. Bible says, Jesus said to him, you have said it. Hurry up. Let's get this thing done. The focus of my, my, my the, the, the Lord's words today is going to be in the next couple of texts. Because as we have gone through the setting of this, the Lord's table, the Last Supper, now I want you to look at three things here that we can find from verse 26 to 30. That is, to me, it's actually radical. Most times when I thought about or think about the communion, the, what comes to my mind is remembrance. Are you with me? And, and, and so, therefore, when I think about communion, I'm always looking back. But communion is not just looking back. It was never just looking back. Communion is about now and looking forward. Are you with me? It is looking back. But not only that, but it's also looking to now and to the future. And so now I would like you to just go with me to verse 26. Verse 26 I imagine that at this time, Judas probably got up and left. Are you with me, church family? I mean, the greatest meal. <laughs> that, that, I mean, he is right there with the Savior. And, and, and he's gone. So his fate was sealed then. Now Jesus... He's not going to hold back business for any person. You remember last week? Remember last week we talked about how Jesus is all about making a profit? That's the God we deal with. You know why a profit is important to God? It's important because he's all about expanding his kingdom. That's all he's interested in. He's not about keeping things safe. He's about risking even his very life, to expand his father's business. He's always on the move. And so here we find here, Jesus, one person wants to leave, he's still moving on with business. Are you following? And so Jesus said, the Bible said in verse 26, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed it. And broke it. 
and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my what? My body. Now, in some churches, it's very interesting, my elder. Some churches, they say, whenever you eat the, the bread, you're eating the literal body of Christ. You're actually eating the literal body of Christ. The problem with that belief is it would have messed up the disciples. That teaching, I should say. Right? Because how can I be eating your actual body and I'm looking at you? Come on, y'all. I'm actually looking at you. How can this be your actual body? All right? So it's not referring to the actual body of Christ. Obviously, it's symbolical. Are you with me? The broken body of Christ has been a blessing to every single person who have accepted him as Lord and, Lord and Savior. The broken body of Christ means that, listen, we are all broken people. And sin as a way of breaking people. Come on, y'all. Sin as a way of twisting us up. And God said, listen, I will make sure that I take the ultimate twisting for you. I am going to find a way so that anybody who accepts me as their Lord and Savior will not have to endure the ultimate suffering of sin. Are you with me, folk? And so Jesus is saying, my body will be broken and it will be broken for you. He's sharing this with his disciples. I am going to take the wrath of sin upon myself for you. Then he continued. He said, then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is what? My blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of what? In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, uh, yes, sin has consequences, and its goal is to what? Make us broken people. Sin's ultimate goal now, he's saying, is to put you down forever. Come on, y'all. That's what he's saying. It wants to break you, but it also wants to finish you. Right? That's, 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 that's sin. The wages of sin is what? It's death. And you might be here today, and you might be feeling so broken. Things are not working out as you would like. Don't run away from the Savior because his body was broken for you. Are you with me? He actually came to this world to mend broken hearts. He came to fix broken people. You run away from him, you're just going to be more broken. He's here to fix broken people. And ultimately, he's here to secure a 
everlasting relationship with his people. He does not want any of us to perish. <laughs> he knows what sin is like, you know. Sin just lures us in and it pulls us in and, and, and all of that. And the goal is it really desires to pull us to a state where we're outside of the grasp of our Savior. But what Jesus was telling them is this. Not only that the, the bread is important, not only that my body broken for you is important, but the fact that I'm going to pay the penalty for sin, which is death for you, that is so much more important. He's saying, listen, my father's wrath will be forgiven for any person who is willing to accept me as their Lord and Savior. They don't have to experience the second death, which is there is no resurrection after this. Are you with me? I will assume the second death upon myself. I will taste it, Hebrew says. I will taste the second death. I will taste death for everyone so that you don't have to taste it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's, he's giving the disciples right here a complete description of what he's about to do for them. Free from everlasting death to live eternally with Jesus. But I say to you, I will not drink. Okay, let's pause right there. So far what Jesus is saying is this. Remember what I've done for you. I've secured your salvation, which is so important for everyone who have accepted Jesus. We don't have to worry about death. And we don't have to worry about our brokenness because when we feel broken, we have someone to go to. Are you with me? The gospel is not just about forgiving us. The gospel is also about restoring us and helping us. That's what the gospel is all about. So the gospel is not about just having forgiven people living a sinful life. That's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is about having a sinful people living a righteous life with the help of Jesus. Are you with me, folk? God wants us to be transformed. That's his goal. In, in other words, that's his prize to show the world that I can take a sinner and make them into a saint. Hallelujah. I can show you that my power actually works. That's the remembrance part. But the truth is, not only do we remember, but we commune, which is now. The, the communion, the word deeply entrenched in the word communion is that word commune, right? What does that mean? We spend time together. Two ways we do. We spend time with Jesus. So right now as we're about to take the communion, his presence is here with us. Are you with me? 
We are spending time with him. And this is, this is premium time. But not only do we strengthen our relationship with Jesus in communion with him, but the word commune also has a, a powerful meaning because it means that we commune together as his flock. This is a time when the flock comes together. Are, are you with me? We are communing in a very special way with Christ. He has called us to this right now, and we are here. This communion must be filled with something that he's looking for. In other words, if when we come to this communion, listen, we're coming to be right in the sight of the Lord. So can you imagine coming to communion and then we have all kind of mess with our neighbor? All kind of stuff with church people? Are you with me? But then we're coming to commune. What he's looking for, you know, he's looking for authentic relationships. People who are willing, knowing that they listen, they're coming around the Lord's table, that they make everything right before they come. Now you, now sure enough, we will try to make things right with people at times. But if the person is not willing, well, what do we do? Are you with me? You know what you do? You come. You still come. All right? You still come. But the truth is, he is looking for a communion that reflects, the, reflects his heart. This is a loving, united communion. Anytime we come before the table, we prepare for it. Are you following? We prepare for the table. We make things right with God and with men. And we come and we fellowship together. Right? It's not just a little, a little bread we eat, a little juice that we drink, and it's all formal and filled with all kind of religious activity. It is actually a real thing that we prepare for and we come together with one heart before our God. It's a, spending, it's a special spending of time with Jesus and with each other. With nothing between. Oh, the Spirit will do a marvelous work once that is set. Are you with me? Marvelous work with that. Finally, we not only come, you know, and when we come, we are forgiven. We not only come to commune with God and with man, but you know what? We come looking forward. Many times when the communion is mentioned in the Bible, you will see, here, here's one reference, and I'll take you to our next one. But in the same where were we? 29. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on. Why? Because I'm about to die. Are you with me? I'm actually about to be the actual Passover lamb, so I won't be drinking this stuff anymore with you guys. However, 
from now on until. <laughs> I just like the word until. Amen? Until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. In other words, we are going to have many communions to look forward to. Are you with me? Many days when we will sit down with our Savior and just recline with him. I'm looking for that. When I can recline with Jesus and talk with him and see him face to face. He's saying, I am planning a great communion for you. When you won't have to deal with sin anymore. It will be gone. You will be in a pristine sinless environment with your Savior forever and I have gone to prepare that setting for you. I wonder what, the, I wonder if some Aki is going to be on the table. I'm just, I'm just wondering what is he going to be put, whether he's going to give us some sorrel to drink, Elder Thomas. But I can see him, I can see Jesus going ahead and preparing this great banquet table. For everyone who have chosen to give their life, life over to him, it might look foolish to other people, but to him it is everything. He wants to make sure that every one of us are sitting at the banquet table with him in glory. And he's going to do everything now to secure that event. He wants nobody to walk out. Nothing means more to him than to have you, to have me sitting beside him in that future banquet at the table. Hallelujah. Wow, wow. There's another text that mentioned that. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, let me see, verse 26, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26, are you with me? He said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's what? Death till he what? Till he comes back, right? So in other words, communion also looks forward. It also looks at now. But it also looks in the what? It's what we call today justification, sanctification, and glorification. It's the total package of what Jesus did in order to save humankind. It's far beyond forgiveness. So much more. And he wants to say, for the sinner, as often as you can, remember to come. Come to the table. Sup with me. Wow. Spend time with me. And I look forward to being with you now and forever.
Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you. You're truly an awesome God. When we think about all that you have done for us, all, all we can say is, wow. Wow. It really is a true testimony of how much you love us. You really do love us sinners. I pray, Jesus, in your name, for any person in this room or maybe watching online that haven't given their hearts to you as yet, Father, I ask that you do a special work right now in their life. Help them to see that the best decision that they can make in, uh, in their entire life is to surrender their lives to you. Sure enough, they know what it means to live a life without you. But now, let them see that surrendering their lives to you and living a life with your existence, with your rule over them, is the best decision for them. Bother them. Comfort them and move them to make this decision for you. Father, for us, for those who, who have already given their hearts over to you, but sure enough, there are times when we enter conflicts and enter challenges and enter all uh, problems, all kinds of problems in this life. Father, may you provide your help, your strength, and your forgiveness. May you provide, Father, your love that will lead us each and every day. So as we commit, recommit our lives to you right now, may today be a new day with you. A day when we will live a life completely Connected, completely committed to you, our Savior. You are so much to us. I pray in the name of Jesus that you lead us from now on into your kingdom. And as we sup together, may this be a time of true remembrance. Remember what you did to forgive us. Remembering what you did to sanctify us and make us holy and remembering the plans you have for us for one day being, being with you for the rest of eternity. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Bless us now we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.